This is The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. Hello again, everyone. My name is Jeff Mix. I'm head of content and research with Executive Platforms. And you're listening to another episode of the Blueprint podcast series. My guest today is Kim Allison of uh, SAI Global, and we're going to be talking about uh, supply chain risk management in the era of COVID-19. Of course, uh, audits are different. Uh, food safety programs are having to adapt, and uh, Kim is an expert on that. Kim, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Why don't we jump right into it? Uh, why don't we talk about you know, the importance of supply chain risk management to uh, food and beverage companies, to food service companies. Uh, I know it's something that SAI Global has tens of thousands of uh, companies they work with all over the world. You know, what are some of the conversations you're having in terms of, you know, what are food executives worried about? What are they thinking about right now? Um, yeah, supply chain in the food industry is, is extremely important to build confidence in the buyers. Um, the, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, um, thousands of cases of, of uh, foodborne illness every year that can be preventable. There's cases with allergens um, not being declared. There's recalls. There's a lot of issues that can happen that can cause a lot of waste in the food chain. So having a, a confidence in the suppliers um, is, is paramount in this whole industry. Um, you wouldn't like to go eat somewhere and find some foreign material in your food or know that your child who's allergic to, to milk accidentally ingested something that had milk in it, but it was not declared on the label. So these types of things are things that these uh, audits can check. Um, in no way are we going to correct the issues that's up to the suppliers themselves, but we do these audits that are checks to give the, the buyers confidence. And as the supply chain program for each buyer is, is developed, these are the things that they look for to have confidence that they can put their label on it or put it on their shelves in their store. And to keep that process going, even through a pandemic, um, there's challenges that come along with that. And uh, SEI Global is building process and working with the certified program owners and the buyers that we work with on specific custom programs to make sure that we kind of keep rolling with it. There's been lots of changes since March and lots of changes to come. But the main piece of it is to secure the confidence of the buyer so we have a safe uh, food supply in the United States. Now, would you say most uh, organizations have sort of their own plan and SEI Global collaborates with them within there, or is there sort of an industry standard that you help uh, companies adhere to? Well, there's a couple different levels. There are custom programs that buyers may um, take up on their own, where that would involve a custom checklist that they would have a custom protocol to go visit their suppliers, either all of their suppliers or select numbers of their suppliers that may be high risk um, or rotating you know, suppliers through each year. And then there's also programs that are already in place through the Global Food Safety Initiative benchmarked programs. And those are the certified program owners, such as BRC and SQF and FSSC and IFS, to name a few. There's several, but those are the most popular, um, most used in North America right now, the ones that I named. So those programs um, have a, a benchmarked um, expectation from the Global Food Safety Initiative. And we have auditors that are trained um, in those programs and they're registered 
um, those programs are accredited as well. So we are audited on our ability to maintain their program in the audit service. So there are those kind of options that what it basically boils down to is accredited that's used by many in the exact same way. And then the unaccredited, which can be customized um, for that buyer. Um, within each one of the buyers, they will have specific things that they look at um, in the program that they opt to use, such as they may have uh, had a history of having uh, uh, recall issues based on um, uh, foreign material. Um, and they may specifically ask more about the foreign material above and beyond the actual audit. So that would be a bigger um, picture of what their entire supply chain program looks like. So it's not just audits, it's other um, pieces of information as well. Our expertise specifically is, is conducting audits. We have auditors uh, uh, throughout North America in uh, many categories uh, across, um, you know, even in Latin America. So we're able to help with that. We can also help implement their supplier program. Uh, if they have a collection of um, certificate of analysis and in, in certain, you know, whatever, whatever things they're collecting to help their suppliers comply with the, uh, the expectations of suppliers for their company. I can see it being an enormous advantage to uh, companies to have uh, sort of a, a third party who can come in and, and really make sure that their documentation is working, that their compliance is working, that, uh, you know, they have visibility of their supply chain and, uh, you know, you'd be a, an excellent, you know, trusted partner to help them with that. Right. The, the, there's been a lot of um, uh, emphasis over the last 20 years on building up supply chain information. There's been the Food Safety Modernization Act that uh, was signed into law um, about 10 years ago, and that increases the amount of information that buyers want to have to have confidence in their supply chain. So our, you know, we do have clients right now that we work with in collecting their supply chain information, reminding suppliers to submit information, um, working with corrective actions that suppliers uh, you know, need to fulfill for compliance with the supplier approval program. So yeah, it, it, it is a lot of work to do and it's a lot of uh, maintenance of the program, but the end result is that the, they can have confidence in the food being safe. You mentioned a little earlier, and I want to circle back to it, uh, a number of people I've spoken to in the last month or two, they're saying, okay, we're now, you know, four or five, six months into a, a global pandemic and my team, you know, gotten into this, they get through day to day, they're very re reactive and I need to start getting them thinking long-term and proactive again. Um, you've mentioned obviously food safety auditing, a lot of things have changed in the last few months. Uh, can you walk me through how are people dealing with this? What has changed? What are they trying to get back to normal? Maybe there's something that's going to become the new normal. Uh, we'd love your insights. Yes, that is uh, a, something is very much changed. Um, I've been in food safety auditing for nearly 20 years. And, um, you know, even the Food Safety Modernization Act, the biggest change in food safety since 1938, actually hasn't had as much of an impact in, um, from my side of the table as the pandemic has um, in such a quick manner. The uh, FISMA is a huge change. However, day to day, this um, pandemic has caused a lot of uh, areas to rethink what does auditing look like. Um, everybody wants to stick to the same thing and not have anything change. I mean, that's natural in anybody. Um, uh, the, the remoteness of audits, when you want to have an audit to, to be remote, the 
it's it's quite different in the thought of it. Um, there's been individual custom programs, and now um, since we've hit about the six month mark, there are um, CPOs that, under GFSI that are coming out with options for remote auditing um, because of the travel restrictions and because of uh, you know. COVID cases within facilities. We've all seen that on the news where there's been plants with the near working conditions or living conditions where COVID can spread. So the the, the bringing an auditor into a plant is not comfortable um, because of the potential to spread it even more or the auditor to bring it in. So the options have kind of went with these custom programs where there's more remote auditing because it's unaccredited. It's their choice. They want to, they want to see some way to provide confidence. And sometimes like the song says, you may not get what you want, but you get what you need out of the remote audit. So that is an option. It, and it's, it has to be carefully weighed out by the, uh, the buyer. Um, and with the CPO programs, it's also an option, but it has to be warranted. It's still accredited, but it has to be a warranted through um, conditions that are resulting from COVID. So there are, there's movement in the, uh, the way that audits are conducted. Um, the, the ICT, the information and communication technology piece is, a, is a, also a, a big change that has not been exercised in the food industry in auditing in the past at all. So that's something that's coming in. We do a lot of training with that with our auditors. It's up, it's in other fields, non-food audit fields, and it's coming into the food auditing. You know, the, the extensions of certificates can only last for six months in the credited programs under GFSI. So hitting the six month mark causes the programs to rethink what else can we do because we need to be a part of supplying confidence to buyers to uh, make sure the food chain still keeps moving. Okay, now that that interests me. So this is a, a remote audit because you know it's it's better than nothing. In in COVID times, we are challenged what we're actually able to do. Could you expand upon that a little? What what does that actually look like? Yeah, so remote audits. Um, it's it, the name sounds funny and it it causes people to take a pause. However, um, in many cases, in most cases, the remote audits cover the same thing as an on-site audit, and the checklist in many cases is exactly the same. The uh, preparation for the audit is obviously different, where the site has to be ready to engage remotely, which includes the information and communication technology piece. And um, for a lot of remote audits, specifically the accredited ones, it includes visual. So that would involve cameras and walkarounds and things of that nature. Um, so the preparation is different. The auditor engages, you know, from a quiet place, a quiet confidential place, and the audit commences with the opening meeting. The audit is conducted, plans are made um, for interviews, for observations, for key things that need to be reviewed. Documents are delivered to the auditor. Records are selected by the auditor and delivered to the auditor. So the process really resembles the same thing. The preparation and delivery is different. Um, the sites likely have never been through a remote audit before. So we, we're gonna provide a, a document of how to prepare. And then when the audit's over, the audit will likely be the same duration or very similar. When the audit is over, the results flow through. It's 99% of the time the exact same process post audit. And the 
post audit process has always been remote, so there won't be any change there. So the, the uncomfortable part is uh, conducting it remotely. However, the key functions and everything of how it works is virtually the same. A absolutely. Um, you know, as you're saying this, I'm just thinking, okay, if I were, you know, in charge of a, a food safety program and these, I don't want to say stopgap, that's wrong, bridging, these, these new options are coming online so that, you know, I can remain certified, I can, I can remain confident in my supply chain. What are some of the questions that uh, a food safety executive would put to SAI Global? You know, what are my options right now? What should I be doing to make sure that I'm going to remain okay? Well, in the accredited piece, um, the first question would be, um, can you come to my site? The, the situation would be analyzed if there are uh, a risk of COVID to either the auditor or the site. They may have policies in place where we're not letting anybody in. We take temperatures, we monitor our employees, those kind of things. If it's not possible to come on site, which would be the preferred option to keep everything the same, then we may be able to do an extension depending on their current status as a certified site. If we are able to do an extension, the extension would last up to six months. However, when the site becomes operational, uh, I mean, when the site becomes available to visit, you know, and they're still operating, we would need to come in um, because the, it's not an extension for six months at the end. It's an extension for six months anytime in there to come to on site. And then if at the six months, if we still could not get on site because of travel restrictions or a, a deteriorated condition, in uh, any part of the um, aspect of COVID that's impacting the plant and accessibility, then uh, like right now, a CPO has come out with a remote option, which is no longer under GFSI. However, it's the exact same checklist. There's a visual ICT um, component of it. There are um, checks to ensure that it com comes as close as possible to being on site and it is still accredited. So this is kind of stretching it out. Um, it wouldn't have been expected that this would have come out any sooner than now because the hope of the whole world was that we would not be continuing to deal with this in the fall. Um, and the realization is that, yes, we are dealing with it. So the, the programs are adapting, they're watching what's going on, they're taking feedback and SAI works um, directly with them and getting this feedback quickly so we can help support our current clients and help educate any new clients that want to come into the um, auditing uh, services with us. So there's a lot of adaptions that are happening quickly to just like when uh, your child all of a sudden goes to school from their bedroom. Um, it's a big change and we want to get the most out of it and c continue with the uh, emphasis on um, providing confidence. Thank you. I'm, I'm pleased to see that there is actually movement in the space because, you know, from the outside looking in, I, I was wondering what are, what are the steps being taken? Going back to that uh, food safety executive, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's who's going to be listening to this podcast. Um, how do they get proactive? This is what we're doing now because we didn't think it was going to last six months. Are there some proactive pieces they should start working on such that if we're still having this conversation six months from now, they've been working towards that. They get away from a reactive mode and into proactive steps. Yeah, uh, I think they should engage with their certification body, engage with SEI Global, uh, make sure they're um, watching the changes in their CPO, their certified um, uh, program organization. Um, I think I got that right. They just recently changed the name from scheme to CPO. Um, 
So, you know, we can help with the information on that. We have the collateral from the CPOs. Um, also, just internally to maintain their food safety, doing a double check on making sure their programs are still healthy, they're still monitoring what they should be monitoring. Um, if they've had uh, changes in their um, staff and structure and remote working and, uh, you know, potential employees leaving, um, you know, changes in their, um, the products they produce um, because of, you know, there was a big shift from food service back into the, the grocery stores and then now back into food service a little bit. Those things can create quite a disruption. So really keeping an eye on how that change was maneuvered and making sure it was monitored properly and it was still effective and still in place. Those things prevent recalls, they prevent waste, and they also provide uh, confidence to anybody who's watching their company when somebody asks about recalls or or waste or traceability. They really need to keep an eye on those things um, more than ever um, since there's a lot of uh, change. And whenever you go through any kind of big change, you just really wanna check the foundational things and the basics to make sure they're still in place and they, they, they don't become um, not foundational just because of a pandemic. They're still extremely important. So in, inspect what you expect and that's, that's the basic part of it. And that's that's what our audits intend to do as well. Each time we audit is to make sure those basics are in place. The more the, the each individual site, each individual um, company can, can focus on those things and not lose sight that that is what's keeping it all together, then the, the more successful the, the program will be in, in terms of providing com confidence with safe food. It does sound like there's a lot to think about. There's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, obviously, SAI Global is there to help. Um, you know, what's the best way that people can ask some questions or, or get in touch to learn more? Yes, definitely a lot to think about. Um, there's a couple ways to get in contact with SAI Global. You can visit our website at www.saiglobal.com. You can email our customer service at customerservice at saiglobal.com, or you can dial our phone number in North America, 1-800-247-0802. This has been another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint podcast series. Um, my guest has been Kim Allison of SAI Global. Kim, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Again, thank you all for joining us and hope we can do it again soon.